This is Tailgate Till May, your place for year-round college sports talk. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm excited to be back for another episode. And I'm not only excited tonight because we're going to be talking about the SEC, the league that just means more. Boys, I'm excited because we have the whole crew back together again. It's been a while. I'm at the beach right now. I spent some time at the beach today. I did a little water skiing. And maybe most importantly of all, my and your Baltimore Orioles are two games up on the Tampa Bay Rays in first place in the American League East. The best record in the AL. I would say good argument for best team in baseball right there with the Braves. I'm having a weekend Brian, I hope you are too. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I can't compare to that. I didn't go water skiing and my team picked second overall in the draft a couple of weeks ago. So not feeling very good on that front, but I am glad to have everybody back together. Ben, welcome back. How are you? Ah, feels like we haven't been together in months. Uh, you know, a little hiatus from us all. Feels good. Uh, you know, just recovering a little bit from a sickness that uh, I think everyone's heard of before, a little COVID-19. And uh, I'm a little sad, sports, other sports-wise, because the Open Championship kind of sucked this morning. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that didn't really come across my radar at all, to be honest, because usually I do like the Open. I like the British Open because it's in the morning. Anytime you get a chance to watch sports in the morning, I'm usually in favor of it. But I feel like it just didn't really come across my radar. Why not, Ben? You're our golf guy. Brian Harmon, who won it, basically just dominated the first two days and just had a huge lead and just basically shot even par the rest of the way in and just was crushing it. He was getting heckled too by all. Yeah. The I people. saw, I it saw that really like, weird. you know how usually they're like, get in the hole. There was like, get in the bunker. Yeah. Cause they wanted it to be a closer tournament, which I love. Yeah. Also, he had this hilarious thing where it was really rainy today and he had his umbrella and he probably had like 15 gloves just hanging underneath it. And it looked like a very weird, just dangling of fingers. So but he also waggles way too much. You would have hated watching it. Remember Sergio back in the day? It was worse than Sergio back in the day. They like counted. It was like 13 pre-shot waggles. That's too much. You need to get a false way start penalty or something along oh, those lines. I don't, I don't like that at all. Glad I didn't have to see that with my own two eyes. So that didn't come across my, my radar. But we're going to talk about a league today that comes across everybody's radar Every week during football season, it's the SEC. It's the league with the most talent, the most national champions uh, in recent years, the most passionate fans, and uh, the league with, quite honestly, the most exposure. So let's jump right into this thing today and talk about the SEC. And we're going to do the same format that we did last week for the Big 12. We're going to do three downs, talking about our critical questions to understanding the league, the bull and the bear, talking about what player, coach, team, thing, we're buying and selling, who we're bullish on, who we're bearish on. Finish off with some best bets, and then trivia will return tonight. The standings right now, Ben, two wins. Myself, I have one win. Brian, winless so far in our three trivia contests. The theme tonight, of course, will be SEC football. So Brian looking to get on the board. I'm looking to tie things up. Ben looking to extend his lead. I have a problem. Uh, you're missing the most crucial down, which is fourth down. You know, it's the punters down. So I would just like to note that I am unhappy with this format, but I will allow it. Punters down. Yes, uh, you are our representative of the punting community. It's noted. No. It's observed. And uh, take that into consideration going Thank forward. You. But let's Appreciate get it. to our first down. And we're going to talk about a position that some people might say are is a little bit more important than punter. That's quarterback. 
most prestigious position in all of sports. And guys, to me, I think quarterback is the position you have to talk about to understand this league because you are losing at the quarterback position. Bryce Young, the 2021 Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. Hendon Hooker, who led the most exciting offense in football last season. And then Stetson Bennett at Georgia, who led the Bulldogs to back-to-back national titles. I think the single most important thing to understanding this league is how effectively Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia can replace those quarterbacks. So, Brian, I'll start with you here. What's the answer? How effectively are these teams going to replace these studs? Yeah, it's going to be hard. I can't remember a time where so many Blue Blood programs had a newcomer starting at this position. I I want to make this an open conversation with all of us. So I'm going to take one that I feel most strongly about and, and we can go kind of around, around the room. I want to talk about Alabama because Bryce Young, like you said, he won a Heisman trophy, had multiple effective years as the starter went number one overall. I've seen this take out there, but I, I agree with it. It, it. It's very, you know, sports radio, but I think it's real. If Nick Saban was confident in Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, to be the starting quarterback of the Crimson Tide this year. What is the point of taking Tyler Buckner in the transfer portal? I know Tommy Reese came in. There's familiarity there, but this is Alabama. You're not bringing in a guy to make Tommy Reese happy. And if you brought him in because Tyler Buckner is your guy, I have concerns about that too. Two picks in the upset loss to Marshall. He did get hurt in that game. That was the last regular season game he played in. Came back in the bowl game against South Carolina. Three touchdowns, three picks. This guy's not an Alabama quarterback to me. Not a national championship quarterback in 2023. So, I'm you know, listen, Saban has still earned the – I can't really doubt him, but I've seen Tyler Buckner play enough that if he's your guy, I, I have some serious concerns about it. I think there's no question that there's going to be a tremendous drop-off from Bryce Young, no matter who plays this season, because Bryce Young was just that good. I mean, he was the kind of guy who would single-handedly win you games. He would pick things up when they fell apart. He would make things happen. He would, I would say, was my favorite quarterback to watch in college football the past couple of seasons. I think there is, without a doubt, there has to be a drop-off when you talk about these guys. I think the question might that we're, we really might have to ask ourselves is, is there enough around whoever does play quarterback on this roster to pick up the slack? Is the offensive line running game good enough that they can get back to more of a power running kind of pre-Kiffin at Alabama style and lean a little more heavily on the running game where they don't have to, to pass as much? I don't know that shit can really go back to that in the in this age of college football i mean teams put up i feel like they are though with tommy reese that's really all he's done at notre dame they really hadn't have a good quarterback and they just kind of run and throw in a bunch of tight ends and say hey we're gonna run you can try to stop it i mean not obviously the way that alabama was back in what the early 2000s but i think it's leaning more that way i think they'll be more reminiscent of 2000 early 2000 Alabama, then 2022 Alabama, just because that's the chips that they're dealt. But it's just my opinion. But I would ask you this, Ben. I mean, you do watch Notre Dame probably more closely than anybody else here. Do you think in part that was because Tommy Reese, that was Tommy Reese's offense because it had to be 
Tommy Reese's offense, that they didn't have the quarterbacks that Alabama's had. They didn't have the receivers, certainly, that Alabama's had. That that, that was their strength, and they kind of had to play to their strength more so. Yeah, because they always have good offensive linemen, and they had some talented running backs over the last couple of years. So, I mean, maybe that's – I mean, because to be fair, the Tommy Reese hiring was shocking for me when Saban did it, and maybe he just saw the similarities between Notre Dame. He knows what to do without a great quarterback, and they – didn't have any really good options this year and he's maybe he can kind of conjure that but probably a little bit better talent overall than what he was dealing with at Notre Dame so it's not as exciting but I mean that still won him quite a few national championships I know the game has changed but I think I think that's kind of just the way that that uh, they're the least of all three. I'm least worried about them because of this. I think they will try and change their game a little bit and not lean so much on. Obviously, don't have a Bryce Young type talent, but I think they're going to go a lot more. I mean, Saban's even said it himself that he kind of misses those days, but I'm least worried about them of all these three teams because I think they're going to try and go that way and they've done it before and I think they can try and do it again and they're committed to it, but we'll see, obviously. Yeah, I hear you, and I, I think I'm with you to a large extent. I mean, you look at the preseason All-SEC teams, three Alabama offensive linemen on the, the first and second team offenses there. So good running game. Uh, Jace McClellan, Alabama's running back, second team All-SEC in the preseason. He had the second most carries on the team behind uh, Jameer Gibbs last season. So he's a guy with some experience. I think they're going to have a good running game and I think they will be fine in large part in SEC play. I can't sit here and say I really know how those guys will perform. Ty Simpson was a five-star guy. Milrow, you know, he gets a lot of flack, but he led a pretty nice second half against Arkansas last year. I mean, he's had his down moments too. And then Buckner, I'll just, I'll be blunt about it. I'm not a huge, I've never been a huge fan of his work. Anything I've seen, I'm not, not a huge fan of. So There's only I, been two good Notre Dame quarterbacks ever. Who are they? Uh, Brady Quinn and Joe Montana, obviously. Okay, I'm glad Joe Montana made it in there. I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous yeah, for yeah. a second whether Montana was going to make it in there or not. No, no, he's the best. But I, I think they'll be okay for a large part in the SEC, but it's going to come down to when they play LSU. You know, LSU's weakness really last season was on the back end of their defense and that defensive secondary. And we saw it exposed against Tennessee. We saw it exposed against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Alabama might need to throw the ball on them. That's when it's really going to matter. If they play Georgia in SEC championship game, if they get to a college ball playoff, that's when it's going to matter. So I can't sit here and necessarily say, I know how these guys are going to fill in. But I, I what I can tell you is I think it will very certainly be not quite as good as Bryce Young. And the baseline where I think it's at right now is probably not good enough to win a national championship. I just think in this day and age of college football, you got to have a quarterback that can really make big, thro- make big throws, make big plays. And I'm not sure that at where things stand right now, I necessarily see that from any of those guys. Could they develop? Could that change as the season goes on? Uh, absolutely. But I think somebody's going to have to if this is going to be a national championship team, Brian. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. The, it, it's just worrisome that, like, you could say that about all of these guys. I mean, I think we saw more from Joe Milton to transition to Tennessee, right? Like, we've seen that dude have big games. 
I find myself buying into the bowl game hype. 250 yards, three touchdowns, no picks against Clemson. Like in that offense, I think he can play the Hendon Hooker role really well. Um, you know, Hendon Hooker, obviously a whatever he was, day two draft pick in the NFL. Um, so uh, he's a super talented guy. But Joe Milton, like, there's no questioning the talent that that guy has. So for me, you know, Ben mentioned, I think this is a good way to look at this question. Like, who are you least worried about of these? And for me, from strictly a quarterback play position, it's Joe Milton just because we've, we've seen it happen. You're right about Jalen Milrow, and he did. He had some ups and downs and, and flashed the talent. He was a four-star guy. I mean, he's no slouch, right? He, he's recruited to play quarterback in Alabama. He's no slouch. Um, but Joe, Joe Milton, to me, is like a guy – you know, I, I, I'll say it like, I don't know how big I am. This isn't a statement on where I am on Tennessee or not, but Joe Milton to me could be a quarterback of a national championship team. He's got that kind of talent, I think. And I think he's the only guy in this conversation that we can say, like, we've seen those flashes with enough relative consistency to, to believe it. I mean, Stephen, am I, am I, crazy for saying that well i mean brian he's got that big mesmerizing arm i mean i think it was this week at sec media day he he was asked a lot about if he actually has thrown the ball 90 yards and i believe the answer was basically yes i from the headlines i've seen out there now he's got a huge arm he's got a lot of talent he's been in college forever and from what I understand, if I remember correctly, he actually won the quarterback battle between Hendon Hooker and himself in 2021, and then he was injured in the pit game. And Hooker kind of took it, ran with it, and then, of course, had that great season last year. He's got a ton of talent. I, I do put Alabama and Georgia kind of more together in this conversation than I do Tennessee for the reasons you mentioned, because we've seen more from, we, we've seen more from him, but Alabama and Georgia also have so much top to bottom, you know, one through 85 on their roster. The talent on those rosters is different than the talent at Tennessee right now. Hey, don't forget about Squirrel Wright. I just didn't want the whole thing to go by about Tennessee and uh, no one mentioned Squirrel Wright and how he's a good wide receiver. All right, is it Squirrel White or Wright? I'm still White, a, White. A little confused I can't on this talk whole, very well. Very confused on this whole White. Pam Pan situation. <laughs> yeah, no, no. so <laughs> Pam with two ends. There's like a D, a silent D, I think. (laughs) All right. Well, scroll right. He didn't catch my eye quite as much as uh, Jalen Hyatt did a season ago. But yeah, 30 30 catches last year, almost 500 yards, a couple touchdowns. So that's a guy Ben says to keep an eye out for. We'll keep an eye out for him. But my point remains, Tennessee, not quite the same top to bottom talent that Georgia and Alabama have. Um my one concern when it does come to Milton, that offense is really largely based on timing and precision. We know he has this huge arm. You know, I'm not a quarterback evaluator by trade necessarily, but uh, we haven't seen that from him, you know, and I, I want to see that. Timing and precision isn't something that everybody can do super well, no matter how big your arm is. So uh, another guy with questions, I think it's the most certain quarterback situation of all of them. However, I think it's the, still going to be the worst team of these three. I do want to talk about, move on and talk about Georgia, the team that's going for back-to-back-to-back national titles. And it's been, you know, in large part based on defense. That 2021 defense is one of the best defenses we've ever seen in college football history. But Stetson Bennett, he stepped up. He made big plays when it mattered. And that offense last year was 
excellent. And, and they lose him. And now it's either going to be likely Carson Beck, uh, Brock Vandegraaff, and or Gunnar Stockton. Really, what the, a the three cast guys. of names. Oh, great names. Room too. Fantastic, Fantastic SEC football names. Those are quarterback names through and through. If you name your son Gunner, I, I want to. What, what I really want to know about is the Gunners that don't make it, because I know you know we got Gunner Henderson with the Orioles right now playing shortstop. We got Gunner Stockton playing Georgia football. What about the Gunners that are just like an accountant? What's up there, like? That's just, you know, a failed live up to your name. But wasn't there a gunner that was like the number one recruit in high school at one point, like in the last 10 years and just didn't pan out at all? Uh, gunner Keel, maybe? Yeah, Gunner Keel. Yeah, Gunner Keel. That's the name. I feel like he was like hyped, recruited. I feel like he was in on Notre Dame and then he just kept bouncing around. But yeah, I was excited for Gunner Keel because, you know, number one recruit. Gunner, you know, it's a win win situation. But, uh, guess he uh fell off somewhere along the way yeah gunner keel one season at notre dame never started a game never threw a pass redshirted transferred to cincinnati back when you had to sit out a year to redshirt oh. when you read or when you transferred rather remember those days cincinnati <laughs> yeah wild uh but moving back up to gunner I don't think he's going to be the starter. I think in all likelihood seems like carson back kirby smart hasn't really committed either way brian do you think Alabama, if let's say both of these programs get kind of replacement level quarterback play and not replacing their formerly great starters from last season, but replacement average quarter SEC quarterback play, do you think Alabama or Georgia is better positioned if that happens? I mean, Georgia's back-to-back national champions, right? They, they're returning a lot of those guys. And so you, I think you have to give them the edge. I think that being said, and this is why I think it made sense when you said you kind of grouped these teams together in this conversation, is like these are two of, if not the two, most talented rosters in the entire country. It's that way every year. And I think replacement-level quarterback play it is it can be good enough, I, I think, really, for either one of these teams, which is why I'm so kind of floored about the Tyler Buckner acquisition, because I don't know that he provides that for them. But I think with Carson Beck, it's so interesting. You know, Kirby Smart did point out at SEC Media Day, and I forgot this, that there was a point where Carson Beck was ahead of Stetson Bennett, obviously, on the on the depth chart, right? And so it's JT Daniels, Carson Beck, Stetson Bennett. And as Kirby Smart made Stetson leapfrogged, turned out to obviously be the right decision. Nobody's any questions about that. But this is a guy that they hold in high regard. They they do. And I, I think um, I'm excited to see all these new guys on the field to go a little macro with it because, no, I you know, I don't know if, if they get even quarterback play who's kind of at the gets the edge. But this is the the main storyline of college football is all these contenders. We're going to get to Ohio State in the Big Ten, right? Like all these national title contenders breaking in new quarterbacks. It's kind of unlike anything we've ever seen. I think it's why, not to get too far ahead of myself, a lot of people really, really like Michigan is they have a quarterback that we've seen, right, in their starting lineup. So I I think um, it's just going to be a fascinating, fascinating thing. And I think it's important. We've kind of said this in different conversations over the last 12 months. Georgia has earned the benefit of the doubt to say, like, they're going to be good. I'm not concerned that Georgia is going to compete for a title. There's a reason they're the betting favorite, even though we've never seen their quarterback, except for, you know, 
spot duty and blowout wins. So uh, I'm excited. I don't know anything about Carson Beck. I'm I'm I'll be honest with you, right? I know he lit up Vanderbilt. Everybody does that. He appeared in the title game against TCU. He appeared in the blowout win against Oregon. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see them. You know, last year it was like they returned Stetson Bennett, and we we knew finally what we were getting from Stetson Bennett. And here they are again, bringing someone new in. So Georgia's a fascinating, fascinating case for me this year. I can't think of a better security blanket for a new starting quarterback to have than Brock Bowers. What a great asset for a new starter to have. I mean, that's a guy who you can throw the ball up. He's going to go get it for you. Great security blanket to have if you're a new starting quarterback. I love that for, for whoever wins that job. The other thing I love for Georgia is I love how their schedule shakes out early on. I mean, it is cupcake city. The month of September is UT Martin at home. Ball State at home, South Carolina at home, UAB at home. Then they finally go on the road to Auburn with a brand new head coach, a very unsure quarterback situation themselves at the end of September, September 30th. That's how their September shakes out. I think that's a huge advantage for Georgia when you talk about the Georgia versus Alabama conversation because Georgia just has more time to figure it out. Alabama hosts Texas week two. I said a week ago, I'm I'm big on Alabama in that game. I don't think you just walk into Bryant-Denny and win that game. I think they're a touchdown. Alabama's a touchdown favorite right now. I was really hoping I could grab it at six and a half. It's, it's a touchdown at the moment. But it's still a very tough game compared to that schedule I just read for Georgia. That's what I th- – those are two big advantages I think Georgia has. And then I, a third, I talked about uh, Alabama's offensive line. It's going to be a very good offensive line. But Georgia, they have – I said Alabama has three guys on the first two all-SEC teams. Georgia has three guys on the all-SEC first team on the line and then a fourth on the second team. I think they return at least – yeah, I think it's three starters from that offensive line a season ago, which was very good. So I think Georgia has a, a slight advantage in order to help whoever wins that job get to that replacement level than Alabama does. Ben, I cut you off there. What do you got? Yeah, the one thing that would be remiss if we didn't talk about is all three also have new offensive coordinators. So you got Tommy Reese, you've got Bobo, who's obviously a little bit familiar with the Georgia. Um, but then you also have, I don't even know, I'm not going to be able to say Heupel and Hauslo. Hoslow? There's too many L's around a Z in his name for me to enjoy it. Um, but I feel like how those OCs are going to handle their new quarterbacks will also have a huge say in how they will do coming out the gate. In I mean, I know Hypel and Hoslow want to you know have the fastest offense in America, and that's part of their whole thing. And Tommy Reese wants to have the slowest one in America, and. Bobo knows Georgia before, so I'm I'm also curious to see how that shakes out between all those things as well. You know, new coordinators, new quarterbacks, gonna be an interesting offense. Yeah, it's a good it's a good call, and uh, I gotta double check. I think it's just Joey Hazel. I think it's Hazel. No. I know there's that L in there. I gotta double check that pronunciation, but uh, we'll, well, we'll get back. L on that. We'll get back to no that sense. one. No, it it is a good point though, Ben, because. Whenever there's turnover, and we're going to talk about it in, when we get to bets, whenever there's a lot of turnover at important positions, quarterback, offensive coordinator, head coach, 
when there's change like that, I think it makes things right for potentially teams that are a little bit lower in the pecking order to step up. Uh, and, you know, that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch this year. Let's move on to our second down. And, uh, you know, I just talked about new head coaches coming into the league. Not a lot, not a ton of turnover like we see some years when it comes to the the coaching position in the SEC. Some years it seems like uh, everybody's changing, changing coaches. Uh, this year, just two. One, of course, is Zach Arnett taking over for Mike Leach after his tragic passing at the end of last season. And the other is Hugh Freeze taking over for Brian Harson at Auburn. And Hugh Freeze is the guy that I want to talk about, and Auburn's the program that I want to talk about, because he is somebody who has had success in this league before, and Auburn is not a place where you get a ton of time. So my question here, Brian, is – does year one for Hugh Freeze at Auburn look more like Brian Kelly's first year at LSU, where they surprise, they go out, they win the SEC West? Or does it look more like Billy Napier's at Florida, which was, quite frankly, a disappointment? I think if you're an Auburn fan, you might end up a little bit disappointed. I think this ends up closer to Billy Napier than it does to Brian Kelly. To me, the reason is simple, and we just spent 25 minutes talking about quarterbacks Brian Kelly had a quarterback. Uh, maybe we didn't know what he had in Jane Daniels to the extent of how well he played and had them in the playoff picture for a lot of the season. Um, but we knew he was he was a good starting quarterback. Hugh Freeze doesn't have a good starting quarterback, in my opinion. I think it's going to be in trouble on the offensive side of the ball, and I think you have to be able to score to, to win in the SEC right now. Robbie Ashford, right, the Oregon transfer, less than 50% completion percentage last year. I think they, they went out and took – Michigan State transfer Peyton Thorne. He started a couple years for the Spartans. Put up some pretty good numbers. 21 was a better year for him than 22. But I, I just think that combined with the fact that there's no getting around the fact that Brian Harson left a roster largely devoid of talent that you need to win in the SEC. Uh, I, I don't think that's an overstatement. So I think Auburn will have talent with Hugh Freeze. In year one, I think he's going to struggle. I, I really do. I don't. I don't even know that I see this team making a bowl game. I think it's going to be really, really difficult for them this season. Listen, Hugh Freeze is a winner. I think he's he's going to win games at Auburn, like I said. But I think it's going to take a couple of years to break it in. And so I'm going more like Billy Napier's, if not another loss or two on the ledger, Ben. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard to compare anyone to Brian Kelly's first year. I mean, he also has a track record of turning teams around i'm obviously not as quickly as he just did but he's dealt with high expectations before at Notre dame and obviously that's as high i'd say of the school outside the sec as you're going to get from a fan base booster perspective and he went also signed the number one transfer class and the whole thing of now that transfers are a thing um, but I don't think it'll be quite as bad as Billy Napier's. I think he's going to kind of split the difference. I do think they'll squeak in and make a bowl game. Their schedule's not too, too bad. I mean, they got teams like New Mexico State in there, UMass. And uh, you know, UMass is not very good at all. So I think they'll win a game here and there in the SEC, make it close. Um, he, like Brian said, he's a winner. He's, you know, obviously you saw what happened last year when Auburn went through it coaching change they kind of turned around their whole season went from being like a bottom 100 team to pretty good team um relative for what they are but you know i think they'll be 
you know, seven and five, six and six, it'll be a solid year. I think it'll promote some optimism going into next year. Um, but I don't think we'll be anywhere close to what LSU just experienced with Brian Kelly. Steven? Yeah, I think I'm making it. Let's make it a clean sweep here. I think there's a little bit more talent, Ben, to your point about, you know, how that team played under Cadillac Williams. But Brian, to your point, I don't know that they have a quarterback. If I was ranking all the quarterbacks in this league, I would say whoever wins that job is in the bottom third of the league. And that's probably not good enough. I think the SEC, one of my favorite things to watch every year is the race for last in the SEC West, because inevitably it's somebody who is very, very good, or at least has high expectations to be very good is finishing last. I mean, you can have a battle between like, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Auburn for last place in that division. So that's one of my favorite things to watch. I don't know who finishes last there this year. I know that there is nobody in that division who wants to finish last or thinks finishing last there is acceptable. Uh, Least of all, Auburn under a new head coach where expectations are high. Let's move on to third down and let's talk more about expectations and more about LSU because this is a team coming into the year with sky high expectations after a surprise first season under Brian Kelly where they did win the division. They did go to the SEC championship game and I think they surprised just about everybody with the success that they had last year. Things are different now. They're coming into this year with a lot of expectations. Looking at the preseason media poll, Alabama was picked to finish first in the West with 165 first place votes, but LSU got 117 first place votes. They were the clear second place team in that division. So Ben, do these expectations change anything for LSU going into the year? Uh, I don't really think so. I mean, there was already a lot of pressure on Brian Kelly to come out and He's dealt with high expectations before, as I previously mentioned. I think, you know, now he's got another year under his belt. He's maybe got players, you know, under his or at his back that he can motivate them and have them play well. And obviously he's got a lot of talent that he keeps bringing in over and over again. So I think there's going to be more of the same, but better this year. Um, I think they have a little bit more talent. They've got Brian Kelly. It's not his first year. Yes, there's expectations, but I mean, shoot. They went in and Alabama handed them their first loss since, what, 2010 or something like that? So, I mean, expectations were already high last year. I don't think it's going to play at all this year. I'm very high in LSU this year. As much as I hated Brian Kelly and wanted him to do poorly when he went to LSU, he's completely done a 180 on me, and I'm buying all the Brian Kelly I can get. So, you know, give me Brian Kelly and LSU to take it all, in my opinion. He's done a 180 on you is a, is a funny... Way to put that. I think you've <laughs> Brian Kelly hasn't probably put a lot of thought in on your performance, but uh, if he does, maybe he's one day, a, maybe a, a 180, maybe one day. Yeah. I'm with you, man. We talked about like, you want continuity in this league. Here it is, right? There's, they got a good quarterback. He's back. They got so, so, so much talent on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, big name after big name, high performer after high performer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got a sneak peek at best bet. So Steven, I'll give you the last few seconds on this one, but, uh, I, I agree. I, I think there's no reason that they can't go out and win the division and win the conference. I asked this question, guys, because this is really my only question about this team. Is how do they handle the weight of expectations other than is their secondary good enough? Those are my two and only questions 
about this LSU program right now. And I think sometimes we don't give enough respect to the non-stat-based, non-X's and O's, non-quantifiable you know, things in football like the weight of expectation. So that's why I asked this question because I just love everything else about this team right now. I really like Jaden Daniels. He's a guy that not only can go out and make big throws, make big plays, but he takes care of the football. He only had three turnover worthy plays all season last year, according to pro football focus. And I I do have to call this out because I got called out on this a little bit last week when citing some of these Quinn Ewer stats. When I talk about these PFF stats, I am always talking about regular season only. I should have called that out. I don't really believe in using the bowl game stats, honestly, because I think there's too many variables when it comes to like who played, who didn't play, who had motivation, who cares. So I'd like to kind of limit this to just regular season stats. So in the regular season, Daniels had just three turnover-worthy plays last year, two interceptions on the season. You combine his ability to take care of the ball plus his ability to make big throws, use his legs. I really love him. Um, They got Diggs, uh, running back Logan Diggs, transferring from Notre Dame to LSU to add to that backfield. I think that's a really big pickup for them. They have Malik Neighbors is going to be one of the best best receivers in the SEC. And then they had a very strong defense. My question, again, is just, is the secondary good enough? And that's going to, we're going to have to to find out. Uh, I think that remains to be seen, but those are my only two questions about this team. This is a team that I am very high on going into the season. I think you guys are, and I think we'll find that out when we get to best bets because uh, we all got something, or at least two of us have something going down on LSU. Okay. Who else do we like in this league? Who else are we high on? Brian, the bull and the bear. Who are you bullish on in the SEC going into the year? Yeah, I had a really good time with this in the Big 12, seeking out a transfer that I thought could make an impact immediately. And so I went that route again. And I came away with what will be for us a familiar name. So I'm buying CJ Dupree, tight end transfer to Alabama. There's a lot to love here, right? New starting quarterbacks love reliable outlets. He can be that. Ben mentioned the use of tight ends in Tommy Reese's offense. I think he's going to fit right in. They lost Cameron Latou to the third round draft pick. Um, But CJ looked legit for the Terps, man. He really did. And there's a reason teams were maybe a little gung-ho to get him into the portal, it sounds like, based on what you read. Um, But I think he's a guy who can go in and make an immediate impact. It it says a lot about him. You sometimes watching the Terps, you, you don't know what you got quite as much. And then you hear that He's down to Ohio State and Alabama to go play immediately and compete for a national title. I think they want him to come in and make a real impact. And tight ends have had an impact in Alabama's offense for a long time. So I'm bullish on C.J. Dupree. Nice bull. Nice bull. Uh, Initially, I was thinking Brian Kelly, but we beat LSU to death here and how we all love LSU and they're the best. Uh, So I'm going to go with another Maryland SEC connection. I'm going to go with the Arkansas offense. Uh, I really enjoyed watching K.J. Jefferson play last year. Uh, mostly because I had them as my football team in our little pool. And I also have a guy named Rocket Sanders, who's uh, pretty good. I don't know if you guys have watched him play, but he's uh, he makes some people miss, and he's, uh, he runs for some yards. So I'm excited to see them, and Danny Enos is the connection that I was talking about. He's a new offensive coordinator. So I think this year um, they may not be very good in 
overall they're in the sec their defense has got a few question marks but overall i think the offense will be fun to watch um kj jefferson is a blast to watch whether he's running the ball or throwing the ball and then you throw in rocket it's gonna be a lot of fun steven what are you what are you cashing in buying putting all your chips on right now I'm going to stick with quarterbacks here. It's a big theme in this league, and that's going to be my bull here. I'm really bullish on Kentucky revitalizing their offense by bringing back offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. He was the offensive coordinator there two years ago. Did a really nice job with uh, with that offense, getting the ball into the hands of Wandale Robinson a ton and utilizing him. And now they bring in NC State transfer at quarterback Devin Leary. A guy who I thought it was ridiculous that he was the ACC player of the year going into the season last year, just to be frank about it. Uh, but he did have a really nice 2021 season. He did not live up to expectations last year. And I thought in large part that was actually more due to the NC State offense than it necessarily was to him. My criticisms of Leary haven't necessarily been about him. It's more been about that offense. I like I like the marriage between these two guys. I think it's a better fit for Leary. He's not quite as big as Levis, but he's a guy that really takes care of the ball and kind of takes what's there. And I think uh, uh, Liam Cohen will do a really nice job of utilizing the playmakers they have. I also think Kentucky's offensive line is going to be a lot better than it was last year, which is going to help a lot. That was really a huge downfall for them a season ago. So I I like Kentucky's offense to get back on track because of this marriage between Liam Cohen and Devin Leary. Brian, who are you bearish on? Spent a lot of time on last year's ACC preview talking about Devin Leary and oh, poking a lot of hole in it. So it's, it's fun to see him come 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 around in a new conference. Uh, be talked about positively on the show. Uh, I am selling the Ole Miss QB room. So they returned Jackson Dart, who, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I thought had a pretty good year in his first year as a starter there. Almost 3,000 yards passing, 20 touchdowns. And they went out and they brought in a couple of transfers. And I think like one of them made sense and one of them didn't really for me. They brought in Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State and they brought in Walker Howard from LSU. I think Howard makes sense because of eligibility. He's a bit younger, but Sanders is a bit weird. You'd think a guy like that transferring would would want to continue to start. Uh, I'm still for a couple of more days on parental leave from work, so I watch Sports Center a lot. And uh, at SEC Media Day, I saw they were interviewing Lane Kiffin, and he was talking about it glowingly. He said, not many people have a returning starting quarterback, let alone two returning starting quarterbacks. Um, I didn't love that saying. I, I, you know, it goes back to the cliche we talked about last week. Why do you want two starting quarterbacks? It's only going to be headaches, in my opinion. So um, not to mention – Jackson Dart had a good year. You didn't necessarily need to replace him. So the Sanders transfer was a bit um, confusing for me. And, and I'm going to go ahead and sell the Rebels QB room. Ben, what are you selling? Um, this is a tough one for me because I like a lot about the SEC. But uh, I'm going to sell the old guard. And what I mean by that is the top two teams that have been in the SEC for the last few years. I don't think they're going to be, you know, as highly touted as we think they're going to be you know i think georgia's going to run into a little bit of struggles more so this year in the last couple of years um the quarterback that we talked about their defense lost a lot i know their team reload but whatever you know i think their time is done for the foreseeable future and then nick saban i you know i last year i was all in on the he's going to get very motivated <clears throat> very pissed off by uh georgia and 
Kirby Smart going to win national championship. And they had a terribly, I want to say coach, but they were not disciplined. They made so many terrible mental mistakes last year. And everyone's hyping, oh, you know, this is another year. Kirby Smart did it. Nick Saban's going to be on the war path. And I just don't believe it. I think at this point, you know, he's probably obviously 71. He's on the tail end of his career. But I just don't know if he can get Alabama back to the pedestal that they were once upon. And now you've got players like, you know, LSU's there, and then you've got, you know, Texas, Oklahoma coming into the SEC. So, you know, I think Alabama is going to be sliding on down. So, famous that's... last words, brother. Famous We've last been saying words. that for a while, but it's maybe <laughs> finally the time. Alabama, I pulled this this morning. The last five years, so since 2019, the class of 2019 and the class of 2023, Alabama has either had the first or second best best recruiting class every year over the last five years. I still think, and this is what I was talking about a little bit, Ben, when you were, you were out last week with the big 12 preview It's like Texas has got to go to Alabama. And I still believe Alabama and Georgia one through 85 have the two most talent rich rosters in the entire sport. I, I think you are right in that there is an opportunity for somebody to step up. But it's still really, really, really hard. I think oh, there's not yeah. enough respect right now for just the talent-rich nature of that that Alabama roster. And what I mean slide down, I don't mean like they're going to go 8-4. and four. They're just maybe not going to be national title contenders and SEC championship winners. Is you know that's a big slide though for these two teams based off the last couple of years. So and really decades for Saban. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, go too many years without a national title or even an SEC title at Alabama, and I mean, people are going to start to ask some questions, no matter who you are. So you're right; it is a big slide. I mean, I, it's a great storyline to watch. I just don't know. You know, I, I'll give you a spoiler. Like, I'm going to one of the bets that I like is LSU to win the league. But it's because it's at almost five to one odds. It's if you give me those two teams straight up, I'm not gonna I would have a very hard time sitting there and saying, Yes, give me LSU. When you say one's five to one and one's I think two to one or something like that, right. probably a little bit less than two to one, uh, in Alabama's case. Uh, no, a little over two to one. So almost three to one plus two ninety. I still I, I want to take those odds, but just head to head, it's still a, a really hard call for me to make. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna caution everybody, show Alabama some respect. They've earned it the way they've they've won, the way they've rec- recruited, and the way they've developed talent over the years. A team that I am uh, bearish on here, or uh, an offense that I'm bearish on here, is the South Carolina offense. You know, Spencer Rattler had a few good games last year. Tennessee, an outstanding performance by Spencer Rattler. I am still not sold on that offense. They do bring in a new offensive coordinator, and that might be a good thing, but it also might be, okay, Spencer Rattler has to have another offensive coordinator, and they got to figure this thing out. And he's a guy that, when you talk about turnover-worthy plays, you know, I, I talked about that a little bit before, he turns the ball over quite a bit. He had 11 interceptions last year. Uh, PFF ranks him a little bit lower. You'd be surprised for a guy with 11 interceptions that he's a little bit more middle of the pack when it comes to turnover-worthy plays. But at the end of the day, he threw 11 interceptions, and that's not something I love 
out of my quarterback. Uh, they don't have a great offensive line. Not impressed with it. It'll maybe be a little bit better, but they they got a little bit better last year, and then they lost a ton of guys. They don't return a ton overall. I think looking at Bill Connolly's returning production numbers, South Carolina is right there towards the bottom of the league and the bottom of the country, 102nd nationally in returning production. I'm selling South Carolina. Not not a huge fan of the Gamecocks, despite some high expectations coming into the year based on a couple big games from Spencer Rattler last season. Any objections there, guys? Are you you down on, on South Carolina as well? I wouldn't say I'm high on them, but I do think those performances are more outliers and just flashes of what Spencer Rattler can do. And I'm far from believing that he can put it all together, especially with another offensive coordinator. So I am with you. I've talked my way through it. All right, good. Glad to have you on my side there, Ben. All right, let's move on to our best bets here. Uh, I'll start with, I'll start myself here. I'm going to call my own number. My, this is my top SEC future bet of of this year of this segment we're doing here and that's mississippi state under six and a half as everybody knows mike lee tragically passed away at the end of last season and defensive coordinator zach arnett comes in and, and takes over and i think that's a very challenging situation for anybody much less a first-time head coach and then on top of that they are going to go completely away from the air raid offense which is something that i Maybe it's the maybe it ends up being the right thing long term, but in the short short term, there is going to be a lot of growing pains with that. They bring in Kevin Barbet. He was the Appalachian State offensive coordinator, and from what I was reading about his offense, you know, it's much more RPO happy. It's much more play action happy. They really want to kind of run the ball to set up the pass, which is a far cry from what. Mike Leach did at Mississippi State, and I think that impacts your quarterback, it impacts your offensive line, it impacts your receivers, it impacts your running backs, it impacts every person on that offense because when you completely change what teams are doing, it's going to have an impact. You also recruited guys you thought would fit the air raid. So uh, I think it's just a really tough situation for Zach Arnett to uh, to get him to step into despite the fact that he is a, a rising star in among the coaching ranks it's a, t- a tough spot for him I don't love the fact in the short term that they are going to be going away from that offense and I think they're going to have an up and down year I think they'll struggle throughout the year at times they might have some bright spots uh, but I'm going under six and a half Ben what's what's your first best bet we'll go around the horn here uh, my first best bet is going to be another six and a half spot, and I'm going to go Arkansas over. Um, that's going to be at minus 134, I believe, what it was. Um, but kind of mentioned earlier, I think they're going to have flashes of fun, and they're going to have a really good offense. Uh, I think their defense, in, you know, just being in the SEC is going to prevent them from being really good. Uh, but, you know, I think six and a half wins with the schedule they have is just, you know, it's easy. It's done. Um, I mean, looking at this schedule right here, whoops, sorry, guys. Um, it's very easy. It's going to be the UNC, which is, nope, that's South Carolina. All right, just pass on this. Brian, go to yours because I can't find it. I lost it in this a mess plus, of notes buddy. that I have. A plus yeah, for effort. Terrible. I, I, love it. I thought he was going to go to you next. I wasn't ready. I was looking at some other stuff. 
Totally. Yep. Perfect. I got the Arkansas um, schedule right here. You want me to uh, let's let's go through it, Ben. I got it up. Yeah. yeah we got right. Western Carolina, Kent State, and BYU at a conference. Those are the first three to open the year. Then they also have three FIU at the end of the year. So yeah, so you're you gotta be thinking four and oh in non conference there. Is that what is that yep. part of your thought process? That that's my thought process there. Um and I, you know, I think they can beat Missouri, Auburn. So that's six there, and then Mississippi State. So that's my seven is there. And you never know what happens against Texas A&M. Never high on them. And then you know, if they can do something in the swamp, maybe that's fun. So I, I see the seven path pretty clear to me in my eyes. Um, but you know, I, I don't think they're gonna get much higher than that. But I think their floor is also about seven as well so i think that's they're just kind of hard reddit in there with some flashes of fun you know what I, I like that too ben i'm gonna i'm gonna put my stamp of approval on that as well give me nice. give me the razorbacks over six and a half i like it you talk me into it cosign help can you get a stamp and just every time we do a good bet you just stamp it yes I like that yes uh, that, awesome. that will happen <laughs> Ryan, how about you? What's your first best bet? Yeah, so I'm with you on Mississippi State. You can put me in for that. I love that one as well. And another under six and a half that I really love, and I'm not going to beat it into the ground too much because I talked about it a bit, is Auburn. You can actually get plus 110 on Auburn under six and a half wins. And so if I'm sitting here saying I think they might struggle to make a bowl, they could even get to six wins, and you still hit that bet there. I think they really got to figure out the quarterback position. I don't think that's going to happen this year, so I think they're going to struggle. I'll give you one more because I only got one more left in the sake of time, and I'm putting a little sprinkle on it. 22 to 1, Carson Beck to win the Heisman Trophy. I think he's going to benefit from not being named Stetson Bennett. And so if they come in here and light it up on offense and he plays well, I think he's going to start getting hype because Georgia's got that spotlight on him all year long. So I think he's set up for success. And like I said, it's a little bit of a sprinkle. I said earlier that I don't know much about him and his skills, but the quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs is in a position to potentially be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And so I like it at 22 to 1. What are we going here? Are we going half unit? Are we going a quarter unit? Give me yeah, a half, half, half unit. unit. Half All unit. Right. Yeah. This will come as no surprise given what I talked about in my bear segment here. I'm going South Carolina under six and a half. Don't love the fact that it's juiced to minus 150 here, but I'm going to take that one. Give me South Carolina under six and a half. Brian, you're tapped out. Ben, what else you got? Uh, I very much agree with you on the LSU at that plus over 400. Uh, my last one today will be Tennessee over nine and a half. And don't be tricked by FanDuel, as we were discussing earlier. Uh, 10 wins over on FanDuel. 10 plus is uh, plus 140. But if you go the very generous nine and a half wins, which is essentially the same thing, it's plus one forty six. So that's how you maximize your money, kids. Um, but their schedule, they've got UConn on their schedule, so you know that's always good for a win. Um, but basically, the only two games I see them losing are at Alabama and um, Georgia. They got Georgia at home, so maybe they have a chance to win that game. But I think that's easy nine and a half right there. So who knows, even with my comment earlier, maybe they go in and surprise everyone and beat Alabama again. So I'm high on Tennessee and Hazel and Hypel this year. So oh, and um, I got a I got a pronunciation on that. Oh, man. did you? On yeah, it's it's Joey Halsey. Halls sorry, Halsley. Joey Halsley. Is how you related say to the so singer? Work on that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna tell you. A little mnemonic device Halsley. there to to remember it. Yeah, just like Halsey the singer. Hall well, not quite. Halsley. Halsley. Halsley, go home, practice it, think about it, 
And, Think about and, Halsey, yeah. the singer, at an L somewhere. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Come back and try to get try to get next week, or at least by week one when we're talking about Tennessee. Let's let's see how you do. I'm going to put it. I'm going to mark it in my calendar for the future. We'll come back, revisit it. We got like, I don't know, five, six weeks here till week one. So, you know, a little homework for you there, buddy. All right. Just need some hooked on phonics. All right, boy. So are we, Brian, I, I, sorry, I can't remember. Are we triple stamped on LSU plus 470 to win this conference? Or are you out on that? Is that just me and Ben? It's you and Ben here. Hanging out. Just Ben and I here. Ben and I are in LSU plus 470. Again, we talked a lot about it. I love, I like everything about this team. It's just the, my two questions are the weight of expectations and their secondary. And I think they probably survive okay on the secondary front for the most part because we talked about there's so many questions with Alabama. They have to go to Tuscaloosa. But if Alabama doesn't have that dynamic passing attack that they've had because they certainly don't have a Bryce Young in the fold, and then they don't have those receivers, the type of receivers – I mean, I'm not going to sit here and disparage Alabama's wide receivers because they still have some good receivers. They have Corey Brooks, a good receiver. But they don't, they're not putting out three first rounders, you know, out of this team like they were a couple of years ago. So maybe the secondary is not as big an issue as, as we think it might be, or as I think it might be. If we're betting this team to win the conference at plus 470, nearly 5 to 1, is it worth taking a look at them, Ben? to win the national championship. I mean, they're 12 to one to win the national title. Odds are, if you go out and you win the sec, you're going to win the national championship probably more times than not. You thinking about that one, 12 to one there. Yeah. I mean, I haven't honestly gone into the national national championship is kind of the last thing I do. I go through all my odds for the conferences and kind of build up my thought process in my head. But guarantee I will be sprinkling at least a little bit something on them. This Brian Kelly train, man, he's just chugging along, throwing more coal in there. And just more and more I read and see about them just hypes me up more. So, yeah, I will be doing it. All right, Brian, I do want to touch on this real quick before we get to our trivia segment tonight. Why aren't you on this? What What is keeping you from going in on this one with, with the two of us? Yeah, great question. Uh, I, I like the bet. I do. And I and I think all the reasons you guys have said make a lot of sense and there's good value on it. You know, we talk about I, – I kept saying famous last words when Ben was disparaging Alabama, right? Like I, I just think that there might be something there. I talked about the quarterback issues. I did. But like you said, this team has so much talent on the roster that it's just uh, – I'm a little scared to go in on someone else because I think we might look up and be talking about an Alabama team that figured it out really, really quickly, which would just be, you know, uh, deflate the balloon that you guys are on here for LSU if that happens. And, you know, here's my thing. If the odds were reversed, if it was – if the odds were flipped, I'd take Alabama. Yeah, right, uh, that, right, right. That's, You're that's taking where I'm kind of at on it. Yeah. I, if, if they were, if Alabama was close to five on one, hands down, take my money. I'm putting it in on Alabama for sure. I think that's fair. I, I think you're essentially saying that these teams are close enough that like getting five to one on one is pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. That's our bets. Enough's enough there. Let's get to what everybody's really here for the fourth trivia challenge. I will be starting off as the host of this segment tonight as the champion. 
feels good. Ben still has not delivered me his championship chain. Glad to see he's not Sold wearing it. it in the Zoom or the, uh, not the Zoom, the, the Riverside.fm video here. I'm not going to give Zoom a shout out. That's We're not on that. Here. But uh, glad to see you're not wearing that. That would be a little disrespectful if you were, were wearing the championship chain after not winning the championship. Ben. It's within reach, so guarantee if I win tonight, it's going on. But fair enough. That's that's valid. I, I respect that. But right now, you're not the champ. You can't wear the chain. I am. I'm hosting. Let's go. It's SEC football I feel as so our much category pressure. tonight. Yeah, a lot so of pressure, much pressure on you, guys. Brian. I've never you know, won a single competition. <laughs> when when I feel does it so get stressed? <laughs> Have when does it around? get to a point where you no Brian's not won anything? I've never won. I've never won. He's not won around. around. I don't think I've around. answered a question correctly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not great. It's not great. All right, so here we go, guys. A lot of pressure on Brian. Ben's feeling loose, although a little pressure for him to get back to his winning ways as well. But we part are gonna... of me wants to lose because I have a fun question that I want to ask about the SEC, but we'll see. Okay, so. Brian, as the well, I guess you're both kind of challengers, but you know, Brian, as the guy who hasn't won yet, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna start with you here. So the SEC was formed in 1932. Uh, I <laughs> I wasn't around. Good SEC start. <laughs> formed in 1932. There are three charter members from the original SEC that are no longer part of the league. Name one for me, Brian. Oh, gosh. Oh, name one. One of the three, please. Oh, man. Uh, Oklahoma. Oh, that is that's incorrect. You I think you're panicking. You're panicking, dude. I am. I I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ben, the floor floor is yours. Mm, No, incorrect. Guys, 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 guys. Got to get this one. And because there's been some famous things going on recently if you guys remember the past couple years Tulane is one of the answers they've been putting a sticker on their helmet at times that says uh, they list yeah. the year they went they've won the SEC championship uh so I thought you might know that one uh, the other school you would know there's a third you probably won't know but the second I think you should know is Georgia Tech Georgia Tech charter member of the SEC, really dominant football force back then, left the league, went independent, eventually joined the ACC. And then the third is Sewanee, really small school you probably never heard of. But those first two, I thought thought you'd get one. So, all right. Maybe we Ben's stay post-1990 next time. Ben's going to steal well, it. Well, yeah, it's post-1990, but you've heard of Georgia Tech, Ben. You've heard of That's Tulane. True. And there's been some examples where this stuff is coming up. The Athletic actually wrote a pretty big article recently on why Georgia Tech left the SEC. So, okay, I, I feel like I'm shaming you guys now. It's not my intention. <laughs> <laughs> not my intention. Sorry, dude. This every reason why we should know. I'm more, yes, I guess I'm on. more justifying why I thought it was a valid question. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Let's move on. Zero, zero. Ben, this one's to you. And the way I'm going to do this is kind of how Ben has done these who am I questions. I'm going to start by by asking this. Uh, Ben, you'll have the first crack at it. I'll list another clue. Then, Brian, you'll have a chance. Then back to Ben, so on and so forth. Whoever gets this question, if somebody gets this question, will advance to the championship round. So, So big chance. Everything's still on the table here for you, Brian. So since 1956, just one SEC player has rushed for more than 2,000 yards in a single season. He rushed for 2,219 yards to be exact. And guys, this is a big deal. The SEC is a league that has been known for the ground and pound. 
Who am I, Ben? Derrick Henry. God! That's correct. Ben will advance to the championship round. Brian, this is becoming a thing. Well, yeah, it sure is. And I will have you know that my numbers question in my round is how many yards did Derrick Henry rush for when he set an SEC record for single season rush yards? So somebody's going to have to win it in the first two questions or I can come up with one live. Yeah, it's becoming a thing, man. One of my questions was also what year and what running backs took down a 30 plus year SEC single season rushing yards from Herschel Walker. So everyone had the exact same question. Okay. (laughs) What do you say to Derrick Henry? Yeah, I got to... I gotta spend some time <laughs> disregarding my son and studying college football over the next week because this is getting embarrassing. All right, uh, in the interest of time, let's do it. Um, Steven, defending champ, I'll give you the first crack here. Three Auburn quarterbacks have seven thousand or more career pass yards. Name two of them. I don't think Cam Newton is one of them. That's the most obvious. Like, that's the first name that comes to your mind when you think about Auburn quarterbacks. Auburn is not really a school that has, like, a fantastic quarterback history when you when you go back and, and really think about it. Because um, one year with Gus, I... Who was Bo Jackson's quarterback? I don't know. I don't. I don't have it. I don't have it. I passed to Ben. That was probably Nicks... smart to not give him either of them, right? Because he needs to name two. Go ahead, Ben. Mm. Is, can I guess him one at a time? Like yes. if I is Bo Nix one? Bo Nix is one. Nice. You need this to give is me where one I struggle. more. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! Why couldn't it just be one? Uh um, he was not, uh, did he go there? I don't know. Rex Grossman. No, Rex Grossman went to Florida. It is, uh, That's what I thought. the, the all-time leader is Stan White. You wouldn't be familiar with him, but Jason Campbell, first round pick mm. of the Washingtons, uh, also had, uh, was second in career pass yards. That, that was Re- the one I thought. Really not an outstanding quarterback. No, injury. it's not. No, it's not. It's really not. It's kind of surprising. All right, Ben, you get to win it here if you can get this one. Steven, if you can't get it, you'll get a crack. And if not, I'll have to figure something out on the fly. Ben, the SEC career rushing yards list goes Herschel Walker, Nick Chubb, And then this Arkansas running back. Darren McFadden. That is correct. Ben, go ahead and reach for the chain. You know, I I think he's, he's not, he doesn't have his headphones on right now. I think it was really a matter of timing tonight because I would have gotten that one and you would have gotten the second one. You got a chocolate up the timing. It's timey, oh, man. Yeah. Hey, that's what I've said about every single round I've literally ever played. So Chalk it up the go. time. And, uh, the champ's yeah. back. He's got his chain on. Ben, three wins. Steven, one win. Brian, no wins. It's becoming a trend, everybody. Here Ben's we go. the trivia champ. I'm a little bit middle of the tier. And Brian is Brian's just in his own head right now. It's it's a it's thing. It's bad. I got the yips. Yeah, you got the yips. You're waggling. You're waggling yeah, pretty shot. Yeah. 
Can uh, I say the one quick question I have? SEC has a winning record against every conference except for one all time. What's the one conference that has a losing record against? And there's, it's 50-plus games, so it's not like it's just, you know. ACC. Pen. No, they dominate the ACC 290 to 140. Yeah, I figured it was – I was just guessing something. I'm yeah. going to say the Pac-12. They probably played in, like, a bunch of – a few Rose Bowls way early in the 30s. Surprisingly, Pac-12, they're 68 and 40. It's the Big East. They're 25 <laughs> and 29 against the Big East. And will That's always nice. go pretty much – losers forever against the Big East because they don't exist. For Ben Crowley and Brian Kaufman, I'm Stephen Gorgie. That's our show. Your champion is Ben. He's very proud of it. He's holding up his chain. Uh, Brian and I are disappointed, but we will be back next week. We'll have another chance. We're going to continue continue to preview all of the Power 5 conferences in this great sport of college football as we creep closer and closer by the day to college football season. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.